Hey, this is Sean Tice with the Let's Talk About Fatherlessness show and excited to have Pastor Cody Cole from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Cody, it's great to have you today. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you letting me be on here. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us uh, some about your, your church in Michigan? Yeah, my wife and I moved here from Las Vegas 12 years ago and restarted a church. And Okay. We've been trying to bring God's mind into every matter of life and society and impact our culture and help bring change the way God designed life to be. And it's been really, really exciting. And my wife and I have grown a ton by being here, and we're excited to make an impact even to the fatherless, obviously. And that's a, that plays a huge role in people's psychological health and their yeah. development and their growth and their maturity. And so and, that, and and again that's a huge part of God's design is the nuclear family and and a, a society that wants to destroy that part will destroy itself. And so this is why I'm heavily vested and interested in making sure that families stay together and that children know their biological father and their biological mother because that's the best environment for growth. So yeah, and that and really, I that's right. You seem passionate about it because when I spoke at your church, I think um back in uh, November of 2021, I think it was, um, you got up right before I spoke and you gave an introduction, and it was more than usual when a pastor would get up and he you said yeah. and we just talked about this the um literacy rate and fatherlessness and we fixed those two things. Can you speak more to that because that that was yeah. that spoke to me whenever I spoke there. I was just like, wow, this guy actually. Um, he knows about fatherlessness somewhat. I mean, at least at least you seem like it. And so I was like, I wanted to find out more because as I planned on launching this podcast, your name came to my mind. And so just tell us sure. more about, about that. Sure. Um, I think society tends to desire to identify certain reasons for its breakdown. And a lot of it has to do with education or pour, pouring more money into systems that never seem to work or um, blaming it on systemic racism or privilege or a myriad of other things. But I think the top two reasons for societal breakdown and decay is fatherlessness and the illiteracy rate. I think Candace Owens talks about that as well. But I think she's right about that. And and that's kind of rooted in our relationship with the Lord, of course. But if you if we fix those two things right there, I think the need for tyrannical government is just an intervention in the home is greatly decreased and our ind our our individual rights and liberties and freedoms and all that are more sustainable because that's really the first government is the home outside of our self-governing and I think that that's really important for the health of a country or a city is the a strong nuclear family. And you have a father in the home and a mother in the home. That kid's not going to really need much outside help and development outside of the call of mom and dad. And when that uh, responsibility is vested off onto some other entity that could care less about your kids, I don't think it's the wisest decision for parents. So, and of course, there's a, a lot of reasons why kids are fatherless, but the the percentage of children who are fatherless is astounding. And I just don't see how our society could sustain that 
level of of um instability and i'm just i I think about the mental health issues that kids are facing that is directly linked to fatherless homes that's directly linked to abuse in their home and a whole bunch of other societal problems and issues so yeah it's really a core issue of our day is fathers being involved in their children's life so you you not only have fatherlessness but you also have narcissistic fathers who abuse their children as well so i mean i don't know what percentage of children are growing up in homes with a father who would rather not have one in their home because they're more vested in their rights than they are their responsibilities and again that all comes down to their personal walk with the lord so i know i'm kind of going off on a lot of different areas here but it's a really it's a huge problem yeah it really is and and the rate of fatherlessness when they have a dad in their house and so we don't even have studies on that showing how many kids that they feel fatherless um, because they have a dad that lives with them that's uh, emotionally absent he's not there he's not training them up spiritually mentally physically he's just there he's just a body uh, he might be physically present but he's not helping their kids develop and that's a real problem today it really is and, you know with with so many kids um they just and I, I honestly think that's harder to have a dad in your house that doesn't care about you than to have a dad um that doesn't live in your same house because the, you're is. constantly reminded yeah i think that's even harder i really do it it stunts your growth and your development because you you end up as a kid having to go into some sort of like self-defense mode and so you delay your development until you finally are around some men who see you for who you are and love you for who you are and let you be the person that God designed you to be. And then when that happens, a little child that has been suppressed at eight or nine years old is able to kind of come out and be who he is and develop into the man that God wants him to be. But until he makes himself vulnerable to that man or that godly figure, he's going to stay very immature and guarded. You know, and you have a guy or a guy who doesn't mature and, and is too guarded in life and doesn't make himself vulnerable because he's been hurt too many times, is susceptible to loneliness and depression because you can't have deep, fulfilling relationships without those two attributes. So it's like you, your development, your 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 mental development, emotional development, relational development all depend on your relationship with your dad. I mean, why do you think it's they joke around about women having daddy issues, right? And men having daddy issues, because if that's an issue, then you can struggle with this idea of wanting to please a man in very unhealthy ways. And that can manifest in all sorts of different lifestyles. It all comes back down to um, a, a man's responsibility to provide, to protect, and to bring um, provision Um and planning for their family and help their kids grow. And I, and of course, I love talking about the solutions for this, but I think what we're talking about right now is just like, this is a problem. This is a big problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of, so the, a lot of the kids are, it's not just kids, like teenagers and adults. When we're, when I'm in counseling sessions, a lot of their issues are rooted back to the relationship with their dad. Almost every single one of them. Special cases is their mom. But most women are pretty good at having healthy relationships with their kids. They're they're a lot um, more interested in 
people, men are more interested in things. So, but, but most of the problems that we're dealing with emotionally and spiritually have to go back with their, their relationship with their dad that they have now projected onto God. And so now their view of God and their view of life is, has been warped by that relationship or that lack of relationship. Yeah, it's so true. And, and, you know, you said about, you know, solutions for it, practically speaking, what are some things as a, a pastor that you've, um, you've implemented in counseling or in your church to ha- kind of change the trajectory on this for your people to further your community or what, anything that you could share to inspire other pastors that are listening to this. So, you know, and, it, and this is a great thing about God is that, you know, he's a father to the fatherless. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge because, you know, I didn't choose my children. Um, God chose them for me, the, who they are and their personality. But when you adopt somebody, you're choosing that person. That's really special. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get married to somebody, you choose them. That makes that relationship, that relationship very meaningful. And the reason why is because they didn't have to, right? And God didn't have to choose us, but he did. And I think for a lot of young men, um, if they didn't have that example in the home of a loving father, like our heavenly father, then knowing God theologically and, and through experience is really foundational for them to know that God chose them, God loved them, and that that their worth and their value is based on God's view of them and God choosing them. Because when you grow up in a fatherless home or a father who whose relationship is based on your performance, their love and acceptance is based on, on your performance and how well you perform at home, you have a really warped view of life. But when you're like, no, God loves me for who I am and not for what I do, and there's nothing in my past that's going to make them love me less. And there's nothing I could do today or tomorrow of good works that's going to make them love me more. Then that gives me a foundation to start living in a way that gives life to other people, not because I have to, but because I because I want to. It's like I'm not earning love from him. So my heavenly father loves me for who I am. And therefore, I want to do good because he loves me, not me trying to earn his love. And that's what a good godly father in a home gives a child. It gives them a foundation of what true unconditional heavenly father love is. So that is translated into adulthood so that when you are giving to your spouse and you're pouring your life into your kids and you're serving your community, you're doing it out of God's love for you. You're not trying to earn it you know, through society or through acceptance or through performance. So that I think that's what I've seen as a pastor is being the warped view of life is that I'm only worth what I give. I'm not worth something valuable because of who I am. And a good father communicates that well to his children. So for kids who don't have that father, we try to communicate that very clearly in our church and through the men of our church, that they experience that and that they're loved (laughs) <laughs> They're loved by their heavenly father. So theologically, we we instill that in their hearts through, you know, teen group and through young adult ministries and mentorship. But, um, you know, we try to exemplify that through other godly mentors who take them under their wing. 
but I do know that if it's extensive, they need counseling. They need they need to process this. And Henry Cloud talked about um, he he wrote a book called Changes That Heal. It's a really powerful book. But he he gives three principles for development and growth, and one of them is grace, which is like acceptance and love, like what I've been talking about. And then direction, because you can give direction and not have love. And you're like, okay, like I hear what you're saying, but I don't think you actually care about me. And you can like love somebody, but not give them direction. You're like, I think you love me, but like, I kind of need some direction in my life. I know you're saying that, but I think it's very loving to know what to do next. And then the third principle you need is time. So if a kid, a teenager, or an adult is given grace, unconditional love, hey, we love you right where you're at. And we want to help you grow and some direction and a lot of time. Those are changes that help heal that child or that teenager or that adult. But if you try to rush it, yeah. they're gonna get very frustrated. Or you try to just give them truth, but they don't think you actually care. It's not gonna, it's not gonna go well. And you can't just love them without giving them direction. So you really need all three aspects to help that person develop into the person that God created them to be. Yeah. That's good. And you know, James one twenty seven says about visiting them, and we, you know, we'll we'll talk about this a lot on this this show. But to visit them means to look upon in order to help or to benefit, and it's not a one time thing, you know. And so what you're saying is it's got to be a relationship built over time, and then you're investing in those things and pouring into them, and helping them develop as a person. And so, so yeah. if you say you had a fatherless individual walk into your office, what would you say if you had like a few minutes with them? What would you mm -hmm. say to them? Yeah, and if I identified that that was their their number one need and and the reason for why they were having mental anguish and emotional instability, I would I would just share them the truth of of the gospel. Hey, God loves God died for you, and this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not just like hey, I have fire insurance, I I can avoid hell. This is like foundational for your mental, emotional, and relational health. That I am loved and chosen by God and that he loves me for who I am, not for what I do. And that's why when you read the epistles, it's like, I'll share with him. Look, um, the beginning of the book shares all the indicatives of, of Christ. This is who you are in Christ. You're loved, you're accepted, you're complete, you're his child, you're adopted, right? It's like, those are foundational for somebody's personal growth. Then at the end of the book, it gives the imperatives. These are this is what you should do in light of who you are. And I think when churches emphasize this, you just need to do, 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 and you're not really given the indicatives. You're like, well, I know I'm doing, but I don't know why, <laughs> you know. And there's yeah. a lot of churches who are heavy on the on the indicatives, or like, this is who you are in Christ. You're loved. It's all about love, but they rarely share what you were supposed to do, what our obligation should be. And really, you need both. But first, you need to know who you are foundationally in Christ. And that's really transformative to people who are in need, because what they're usually coming in for is, is because they lack validation. They have been, they've been hurt or torn down by others because they didn't perform well. And so they just don't know what their worth or value or purpose or meaning or destiny is in life. So it's like, why am I even here? And there's a lot of mental anguish that goes on with that. But to just know like, hey, I'm loved for me and that's it and that's enough. That's really good. That's really, 
that's really powerful for somebody because then they're just that that's something you can build on whatever that looks like. But I think that foundation is really important. Like, let's work on what you should be doing, but let's talk about who you are first. You're yeah. enough in Christ. You know, you're not enough by yourself, but in Christ, you're enough. You don't need to, yeah. you're, you know, people are really hard on themselves. They're like, man, I'm 35 or I'm 43. And I don't, I, th I feel like I should be farther along than where I'm at. Or I wish I would have developed more. I wish, I wish certain things in my past would have happened. Um, would would have not happened or would have happened. And, and there's a lot of that that goes on in counseling as well. It's like, well, you're at where you're at. And now you're responsible yeah. for what you do with what's happened to you. So you didn't have a dad. Like you can't continue in victimhood though your whole life. And you're not the hero of your story. Like God never, God never, he's never called one Christian to go around framing their story as the victim or framing their story as the hero. God says, I'm the hero, <laughs> right? Like yeah. he can deliver us from victimhood and from tragedy. And he's done that all throughout scripture. But he also delivers us from the idea that we're somehow the hero of the story, you know? But anyway, it's really, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the direction I would go with somebody. Yeah. Helping them change their identity, you know? And yeah, the path that they're on, you you don't have to be, labeled as a fatherless individual i love that i think it's that's great you're you're labeled by who god says you are you know that that song i am who you say i am and you're just i am who, who god says i am i'm not yeah. some um terrible person i'm you know my past doesn't define me i let go of my past forgetting those things which are behind reaching forth into those things which are before and that's definitely a great great place to to be now just speaking to um like politics and things like that. Like what, anything to speak about how our government uses fatherlessness or um, <laughs> anything, any thoughts on that? Cause I know you, you, you dive into political things sometimes. Anything you want to share yeah. on yeah. things you've seen with, with that, with fatherlessness and politics? Yeah. I think, I think the government definitely exploits fatherlessness to their yeah. advantage for sure for power, control, and money. And I think they they truly know that deep down that the greatest threat to tyrannical government is the nuclear family. Because yeah. think about it. Let's say, you know, ideally, if every child was growing up with their biological father and mother, what need would we have of the government? Yeah. Like, just think, like, we would have, like, we would have no need of it. Why? Because the first government institution ever given to us was self-governance. Like, we got to first govern ourselves, then the family government, then the church government. And then, like, the last line of defense to a chaotic society is government, is civil government. Because if you can't govern yourselves, and your family's broken down, and the church isn't doing its job, what's the last line of defense that God put on the earth? The sword. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, this is why your walk with the Lord is so important, because because if you get down to self-governance and family governance and the church is doing its job, I mean, the civil government becomes obsolete, very minimal. You don't really need it. And the more chaotic society becomes, the more needed they be, they become. And I think there is uh, some sort of psychological, narcissistic appetite to that it's like 
now I have something to tell the people. I'll come in and save you. I'll come in and rescue you. There's like a savior complex to tyrannical yeah, government true. by seeing a societal breakdown, seeing the riots, seeing fatherlessness, seeing families break up. It's like, we'll come in and rescue you. And it's like, dude, where's God in all this? That's why God is so important in society. So, yeah, yeah where I see government is it would be obsolete if the nuclear family was in place and fathers were truly loving their children as God loves them. It's so and true. I, they, they take advantage of them, you know. It's sad. Oh, they pretend yeah. they love the kids and the, the moms, single moms and stuff, but they don't. No. So, yeah. Well, the welfare Years ago. program is what destroyed the the family. Yes. Yes. Now, you, now, now dads don't have to take responsibility for their home anymore. Yes. Yeah. Women can just can depend on the government and government become become daddy to these children. And that's a horrible, horrible recipe. And of course, we're seeing the results of that now. Exactly. It's ruined. It's ruined our nation and not saying that fatherless individuals or single moms are ruining our nation. I'm saying the structure that they've established is just, yes. it's, it's caused all kinds of problems. And I, I don't need, honestly, I don't even know how you fix it outside of the gospel. Um, the only way that the yeah. individuals can is, is finding a relationship with Jesus Christ, realizing the, the values that they need to have as an individual to learn how to have work ethic, to learn how to, to break the cycle of fatherlessness in their own uh, background in order to grow and kind of get up from that. Um, you know, I pray a lot of times, I thank God for pulling me out of the, you know, David talks about being pulled out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a rock. And that's, that's kind of how I, I see my life is I was pulled out of the pit of fodlessness and God put my feet upon a rock. And until we get yeah. to that point where we let God pull us out of that pit, um, we're just going to continue the cycle of fodlessness, of welfare, of, and I'm not saying they're all, everybody's poor in this, but a lot of people are. And yeah. they, they, it comes with okay, poverty. If you need a hand with, up. Yeah. Yeah. It comes with addiction. It comes with all these things that you have to decide as an individual. I'm going, I'm not going to let what my dad did or my mom did define who I'm going to be. I'm going to, and that's what we try to mentor with kids. And it's very challenging because there are a lot of kids that they just don't really care. Their dad didn't care. Their mom didn't care or one or the other. And they just, yeah. I don't really care about my life now. And we're just seeing this continuing to go. It's a domino effect. Yeah. You can let, you can let a good father teach you how to be a good father, but you can also allow bad fathers or absent father teaism to teach you what what not to do. Yeah, you know, I've 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 mentored quite a few men who've had toxic fathers or absent fathers, and they know now what they don't want to be, and exactly. and they're really they're fantastic, excellent fathers, and they're very highly motivated because they want to give their children what they never had growing up. So it can it can be highly motivating for a young man and a young woman to strongly desire a nuclear family or a good home because it was not modeled for them. And of course, they're they're dealing with their own neurotic feelings and and ideations that can be a stumbling block for them. But if they work through with a counselor and they work through that some of that with a mentor and and they see other families like your family be an example to them. I'm so tired of people telling young couples like, oh, you're just in the puppy love stage. You guys are just uh, this. It's all dating love. It's it'll it'll pass. It's like usually when people talk like that, they're they're not testifying or they're not they're not 
they're not prophesying about your future relationship. They're usually mm -hmm. testifying about their own. They're projecting their own experiences. Uh, they're not telling you what's actually going to happen in your life. And so a lot of young couples are really discouraged in the relationship because, because they're around a lot of negative people. But it's like, and, and, and of course, you know, if you grew up with a fatherless home, you grew up in a home with a toxic father, you kind of think that's how it is for everybody, but it's not. And when they get around people like you and your wife, they're in your home, they're in my wife and I's home. They're like, is this how it can be? They're like, yeah, it's it's awesome. Dude. I've been married 18 years, four kids. It's phenomenal. They're like, mm -hmm. dude, this is what I want. Like, this is what I want to do. And like, can yeah. it really be this awesome? It's like, yes, it absolutely can. It depends on the work that you put on it and adopting God's mind on this matter. And I'm telling you, it works. And it's that's been really fun because we've had quite a few fatherless adults in our home over the years and they just like love it. They're like, I wish I had a home like this, but thank you for modeling this. Thank you for showing us what this, this looks like practically. You know, it's, it's one thing to sit around a church and talk about it with a preacher at the pulpit, but it's another thing to actually see it in the home and to see a husband and wife interact and to see a dad play with his kids and to see, to see what a biblical nuclear family looks like. Yeah, that's how simple it is too. You're you're, you're telling how simple it is. It's not that it's not complicated. I think it's Satan's not really complicated. complicated. It's not at all. We so what we did was for a while we had all the teens and young adults over to our house every Friday night. Every Friday night, our house was open from seven to ten, and we just had fun. We had games up. We had food. We hung out. They got to see us. They got to talk, ask questions, and that was another opportunity for mentorship for a lot of these kids yeah. who didn't have fathers in the home or really bad dad or just absent dads. And that was a huge help to them. We've gotten a lot of feedback that we didn't know. We didn't know we were mentoring them until like later on, they're like, man, you really helped me in this area. We're like, okay, we didn't know that. That's great. We're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. We're just hanging. We're just hanging out. We didn't know they're exactly. like, you know, their homes are a lot more chaotic than we thought. There's a lot more going on than we anticipated. And for them to see a, a home where there's peace and joy and love the fruits of the spirit. And they're like, man, this is awesome. This is what I want. Can it be like this for me? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think that gives, I, I think that gives a lot of kids who don't have dad's hope too. They're like, this is, this is what I want, but. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's what I had. I, I had mentors that my youth pastor, we could go to their house. I had a men a, um, another guy, Rob and Lori, they had an open door policy. You could show up anytime yep. and just being around, like you said, and we're, we're talking about this and I'm like, that's what I had. And I'm just, and so it's yeah. opening your life up and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be complicated. Well, and Jesus is, he, Jesus is tactile, right? Like, you know, if God was here, I'd want a hug from him, but he's not. So where I, I get a hug from human beings. Mm. Like he's, he's decided to use humans or incarnation, his people to, reflect his image so that's kind of fun but if you know it's one thing to sit in a service and hear about it but it's another thing to like feel it to yeah. experience it in practice in life that's really meaningful because you know we talk a lot about faith but until there's action there is no faith so yeah. when they see it they're like oh this this looks great i think another hindrance to this idea, and this is just kind of like a side thought, 
is that we've separated the sacred from the secular. We talk about sacred things and secular things. I just have never adopted that philosophy. I think that might have come from Aquinas. But but it's like everything's sacred. If you can do it in the name of the Lord, I wrestle with my kids on the floor. It's just as sacred as I'm reading my Bible. Um, I don't know why going to church, reading your Bible and praying are the sacred things and going to work and drinking a glass of water and wrestling with my kids is all secular things. Like, no, that's as sacred as anything else. That's just my faith being played out in real life. And I, I feel like, you know, there's two, there's, there's two juxtaposed positions in the Bible and that's good things and evil things. And that's it. There's good things and there's evil things. And you can do good things with the wrong motives and you can do bad things with the right motives. Yeah. So there's a, anyway, so, so I just think that people need to see faith actually worked out and fatherless children and adults need to see that played out as well. They need to feel that. And it might come in the form of a hug. It might come in the form of let's go out to lunch. It might come in the form, of, hey, come over for dinner. We're going to hang out. We're going to go to this ball game, whatever it is. That's where life change really begins to happen. Yeah. And obviously in a safe, safe environment for the you sure. and the kids. Because I know a lot of people have told me that they, they're nervous to mentor a kid because they don't want to get accused of something. I've heard um, that so many times. We've heard from our, a CPS uh, person said that's such a myth. That like never really? happens. Yeah. yeah. That never happens. Okay. And I mean, so, and the thing is, if you're nervous about that, have doing it in a couple format, like you're you're saying, and we, we always recommend yeah, your husband and wife together. Place or, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't take a teenage girl by myself to go do something. Or even exactly. I I'd do it in a group. I'd do it with my wife or with my whole family or with a group of dudes, mm-hmm. go shoot guns and yeah, and go eat burgers afterwards and talk about life. Make it and make it safe and make it safe for you and for them. Yeah. And it's, it's it's easy to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, as we wrap up, I just want to see, is there anything else you want to say about fatherlessness or anything else that you're thinking? I need to add this in. No, I, I think I, Sean, I really think your ministry is, is really needed. Um, it is like the most unspoken about issue of our day, but probably if we dealt with this, it would be the greatest solution to our societal mm-hmm. problems. You know, yeah. we're talking suicide, jail, pregnancy rates, depression, like you you name it. Like, where is it yes. all linked to? Fatherlessness to- or, you know, toxic masculinity or fatherlessness or, or whatever it is. But um, I think most of those, most of those, um, you know, people, we talk about systemic racism. I really think it's systemic fatherlessness. That's our biggest issue. And if we dealt with that, I mean, I'm telling you, it would just change society for the good. So I, I think you're, you're like an unsung hero. Um, I think your ministry, I think your ministry is one of the most needed ministries. And I think about all the parachurch organizations out there. So you're, you're hitting a nerve. And Thank a major you. I, appreciate that. In life. I mean, even the old Testament, I think, I think, I think it said one of the signs of revival or a revived heart was that their the father's hearts turned back to their children, yes. which is a yeah. I mean, you can unpack that for an, for an episode, mm-hmm. and it's like wow if they they do that um, a lot can really a lot of good can can happen because of it. So 
I really appreciate you and your ministry. We're looking forward to starting a chapter here. We're just getting our discipleship underway and then we'll, no, we understand. we'll definitely yeah. get something going. So that's great. And thank you for that. And it's, it's all God, but we're just excited to be used by God to do this. It's and, needed. But, but thank you for the advice you gave. You gave some great pointers on, on how people can get involved practically. And you gave some great insights about fatherlessness. Thank you so much for, for being on with us today. Yeah, Sean, thanks for letting me, let me be on. I appreciate it. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.